hi, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. Uh, and I will be one of your other co-hosts, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty great. Um, it's it's cooling off. It's not so hot. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little cloudy, which is great. And um, I am just uh, here on a wonderful weekend with you. Yeah, yeah, perfect. 75 degrees, I think it is. It's very nice out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure many people would not agree. <laughs> they want hotter, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. I just don't see the appeal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, like, we're, we're talking about this, like, really magical, wonderful game that has, like, such a special place. Um, yes. And I love it. So that that is exciting as well. Not that I wasn't excited about our other games, but this is just uh, just a nice little treat. Yeah, there's something about this game that is so special. Um, and it just kind of... It just hits the right notes in a surprising way because you think that this yeah. hour-long experience wouldn't do that but it's just such a, a special little game uh and that yeah. game actually that we're covering today is portal one yeah yeah portal one yeah. right what are your memories of portal one so i don't i played this game similar to a lot of the valve games i i played the the second one um pretty close to around the same time as the first this came out uh same year as bioshock but um I didn't play it then, and I, I played it years later. And I just remember sitting down, and as a as a as a person who really loves puzzly things, it just it just hit so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, the the puzzles are really engaging and interesting. The writing and the characters just want you you want to know more about what's going on in the world. It's just like a really quick, wonderful little experience. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know about Portal until much later. Um, I had always seen the orange box when it came out, but I just didn't think anything of it. I was like that Nintendo fanboy that kind of was in that just little Nintendo world that didn't know anything else about PlayStation or Xbox. Um, so I didn't discover Portal until much later. And I remember in like 2009, I think it was, I was I had heard about Portal and I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. And I wanted to buy the orange box and I literally looked everywhere. I was living in New Hampshire and I looked everywhere and I could not find it. It was just was mm-hmm. not available anymore. Yeah. And I don't think I played it until Portal, around Portal 2. Like when Portal 2 was coming back out and steam was more readily accessible to me i bought portal one and played it and i loved it i loved the story of it it was very creepy <laughs> in a cool way in yeah a really yeah interesting fun way so that was my experience with that yeah yeah i and and actually you you talked about that my my very first um i playing it my first experience was much later but i remember i was at a sleepover at somebody's house and we were playing team fortress 2 i think on like an xbox mm-hmm. because they had the orange box and then at late in the night it was like two in the morning when you're up too late to sleep over everyone has passed out one of the people there was just like playing portal 2 and i remember just watching and like half asleep not really understanding what's going on <laughs> i totally forgot about that until you until you started yeah ah oh, memories memories oh, a weird thing so nice I just remember going through and like the 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 people that were super hardcore in the games more than I was would always talk about how the cake is a lie. I just never understood the reference. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't yeah. Care. <laughs> Until much later. 2007 was a huge year for video games. And one of the things about 2007 and all the games that came out is they became like super memefied. Oh, um, yeah. And Portal being like one of the biggest of uh, the cake is a lie was something that just. You saw every single place you went. Yes. There was was no escaping it on the internet. If you were on the internet in 2007, you saw that somewhere. Yeah. It was, it was, I I think one of the most, like, one of the biggest video game memes, probably one of the earliest video game memes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. If that's too much of a thing to say, but um, that was definitely the first internet 
meme I remember is the cake is mm-hmm. a lie. That was the biggest one. And I just did not understand what the heck that even meant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Until right, I played right. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, and then, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. And I will say, and then even after playing it, I don't know if I fully understood. Like, I got what they were coming from, but I, di- I didn't have that same kind of intense. But I think it's just because, like, it was a it was a shared experience, and here was this one thing that everyone latched onto. Uh, right, but, yeah. right, yeah. right. And I think, actually, it'll make more sense as we go through this, because, like, the cake has more of a, yeah. a narrative purpose than I even originally anticipated before we, we mm-hmm. wrote this episode. So yeah. it's actually very interesting. But before we get into that... I would like to say, storygoers, if you have any perspectives or anything you would like to say about Portal, please do not hesitate to write to us at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. And also you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Don't hesitate to DM us. Let us know what you think, positive or negative. We would love to read your perspectives on here to possibly change our own and see in a different light, which is always a fun thing to do. But yeah, I guess we should start jump into the background of this game. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um... Portal 1 was released in 2007 um, on the orange box. Uh, and what was strange about Portal is it wasn't released on its own. It wasn't, you couldn't buy Portal 1 on its own. It was thrown in with these other, like, really well-known um, games developed and published by Valve, who's the same mm-hmm. people who made Portal. So you had Team Fortress 2, you had Half-Life Episode 1 and 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and 2 on there, um, which are just really big, wonderful games. And then Portal was just this kind of little fun thing that was thrown in there. Um, again, it was developed and published by Valve. The story writers are Eric Walpau and Chet Felzek. Yeah, Chet Felzek. I was afraid of saying that last name, so I'm, I'm glad you took the reins. <laughs> so like, um, who, and actually, I didn't realize, even though they were the writers, they weren't kind of, they weren't the one who inspired this. You have, I think, more info on that. Yeah, so I didn't know this until we wrote this episode, but so Portal is actually the spiritual successor to a 2005 freeware game called uh, Narbocular Drop. And that game was essentially about this princess that was kidnapped and trapped and uh, had access to make these kind of portals, an orange and, and blue portal to jump through. Um, and I guess Gabe Newell found, Gabe Newell, the, the CEO, I think, of, of Steam, like the head guy of Steam. Yeah, and CEO Valve, and founder I mean, of Valve. Valve, yeah. Not Steam, but Valve. And, well, both, whatever. Um, <laughs> he, he saw this and was so inspired by it. He liked it so much that he actually brought the team that made that game on to make portal and hired them all at at valve which i thought was crazy can you imagine like that's insane yeah Yeah. it's it's only a group of eight people eight or nine people i think but still uh to be so inspired from a freeware game to bring on these people into their company that is that's awesome i can't imagine how that probably felt for them i mean it just shows how like it like how strange valve is in there how they handle um games and how they handle things if they see something they like because of a software they own which is steam which is a a platform you can buy a bunch of games on um they can just throw their weight around kind of do the things they want and uh if you do some research on valve they have like some really strange stories especially on their uh um, community their company culture they there was this big company culture handbook that leaked years and years ago that had like all kinds of really buck wild stuff on it that basically you could work on whatever you wanted you if you there was a team working on something you liked you could leave your team you're on and go join them just this really strange wow like Silicon Valley before Silicon Valley style um, company culture that was really interesting. That's so interesting. And actually, I feel like the more we talk about Valve as a company, they're like the polar opposite of like, say, Ubisoft or EA that's constantly publishing games every year. The same, you know, like 
not so much Assassin's Creed anymore, but at one time every year is Assassin's Creed, every year there's yeah. Call of Duty, every, you know, we look at Valve, who, I mean, just recently released Half-Life Alex after mm-hmm. years, after Half-Life 2 and the and the desire for Half-Life 3, which has never, I don't know if will ever come out, but just the fact that they, they don't release something unless they are absolutely sure it's going to do well and they love it. It's like a passion project every time, which I think is kind of what we see, especially like in, in Portal. You know, Portal wasn't mm-hmm. this, this, I don't think it was meant to be this big game, um, yeah. but it's so beloved, you know, and they threw all these games into the orange box. Like you said, Team Fortress 2 and, and Half-Life Episode 1 and 2, um, but everyone loved them. Everyone loved mm-hmm. those games. I remember playing Team Fortress 2 also, and I loved that game. It was so weird. Yeah. It's, but all those, those short little stories they made for it, they released online and yeah, uh, the, it just brought people together. It was such a cool thing. It's such a cool thing. I don't think we'll ever see something like the orange box again. Um, no, which is sad, no. but it's such a cool experience. Yeah, I, they're as a company, and and I think you you hit the nail right on the head with that. That they they wait till there's something that they love. I mean, they've never released a third of any of their games, right? They're, there's never been a Portal Three. There's never been a Left 4 Dead Three. And there's never been a Half Life Three. And all these games commercially did exceptionally well. That yeah. certainly you know would would any other company they would make a sequel or get a sequel out right away but they just they don't do it because probably partly they don't need to because they don't need the money but another part of it is that again they they want it to be perfect before they release it you know good or bad yeah and i think that's a very respectful thing i think that they Mm -hmm. still it's one thing because like these companies some companies will make games and they don't really critically hit very well like i think um ubisoft have uh ghost recon was it that they released this year or last year and it just did very poorly like exceptionally poorly like the worst than they ever thought um or worse than their expectations and um i don't think that would ever happen at valve i don't think they right. would just release a game expecting it to do well unless they they fully felt confident it was going to do well yeah um and yeah. there's like a desire for it and not just kind of something that you, they thought people would just pick up because it was interesting you know what i mean like something that people are passionately going to want to invest their time into yeah um, that, that's a valve game you know because mm-hmm. and like you said they have steam they don't have to make games all the time you know which is a nice a nice little thing to have in your back pocket <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah no it's so it's super cool and then so I, i'm doing more research on uh portal uh, i discovered and i should probably say this too all the information we gathered um i got from sources off of the wikipedia page for portal uh and what i was not surprised to find out was the gameplay for portal was the main focus of the of the game right which i think is very obvious when you play the game um, until playtesters for the game kept asking the developers about the narrative. Like, why is there so little narrative? And so it, it kind of pushed the, the, the de- development team to, to make something up, to, to work harder on the story. Um, that was just not there. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where those story writers come in, that Eric and Chet, who um, I don't think they were part of that team who made uh, an immaculate drop, but they were brought on to help write that story. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure the team that did the Narbacular drop just focused solely on the gameplay. Um, and they brought those two in to, to write it, like you said. And interesting enough, I think this is probably much common knowledge for anyone who, who likes these games. Uh, Portal is tied to the Half Life universe, which they, they did purposely to kind of create, help build the narrative of the story, um, which is very interesting. I mean, I think we can probably get more into um, when we cover Half Life in the future and, and kind of how you know these two worlds are are connected and then the other background information i think we'll kind of keep towards as we play the game more as we go through the story more okay Um, that makes sense that we don't that way we don't get too far ahead of ourselves 
a lot of a lot of meme talk <laughs> a lot of character <laughs> yeah. talk um yeah. but i think you were talking too ryan how this game is more of a environmental and, and gameplay focused game yeah so i mean like like i think kind of like what you said with those playtesters it was the the gameplay was the focus and the gameplay is really fun and really engaging and that was kind of the focus um the writing um which uh, i didn't realize with came out of this playtesting is is kind of on the back end and it's a lot of it is told through things you see or lines that characters say offhand that just have so much information into them but there's there's there, there's no focus put on it it's just something that this ai who will who will learn the name of at the end of the story is it says just offhand but then it has such implications of who you are as a character maybe that's because so little is told you that we latch on to every single thing we can get um <laughs> but yeah so a lot of it is told through that way um and if you're interested in playing this game which i think it, there is a really good story in there but i think the best way to experience this game with i think a lot of the games we've talked about is is to jump in and play them it's it's about an hour-long game it's 10 bucks on steam it goes on sale for much cheaper very often um but it's it there the writing is really good especially of that ai of that um, character and a lot of that writing um which um similar to the other games we've talked about isn't in this story because even though it's really good writing it doesn't add a ton to that narrative moving forward so the best way to experience that writing and to get like really incredible delivery on that we are we will do our best but we are not voice actors yet although if you're looking for voice actors out there companies get at us um, yeah. we are not, <laughs> please i we need are, a job right now please <laughs> we are not voice actors um so a lot of these lines will be delivered in an incredible way by those voice actors and then i think one thing to just be aware of in any time we're talking about these stories especially game stories is this difference between the lore which is the background information that all this information although this world is set takes place in and the story itself the focus of our main character our antagonist and the protagonist and how that moves forward i think they're both really useful in in I, they're both really useful and they can give a lot of context of what's going on our focus mm-hmm. is always going to be on that story piece but that lore is really incredible and um please 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 if you're if you're listening to this and we missed a, something in the lore that you thought was really you know you thought was really good or there was something that we missed let us know um so yeah. we can we can talk more about that because i think um we try our best to focus on that story and that narrative and that is throughout this game but there is some really great stuff in in every single game that we just we is not within the purview of the story of the protagonist that is always really useful that lore piece yes definitely it's always appreciated i think so yeah, yeah. and just so, so to summarize everything that was said if you've never played this game please just pause this go for an hour play the game come back let's talk about yeah. it as yeah, man yeah. i think as much as i love the story it's the character line delivery by this ai in the story that just really is such a it's it's so special it is Mm -hmm. so special um i love it that's what really draws me into this um i mean just before we started recording this podcast uh, we're listening to lines from the game and it's just i could listen to them all day they're just so good (laughs) they're just so interesting and and fun and um so yeah if you never played it go play it come back we'll talk about it (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's such a wonderful wonderful experience yeah. Um, all right, are we? Do we want to jump right in? I think so. Let's jump in. All right, here we go. Portal. Hello, and welcome to the Aperture Science Computer Aided Enrichment Center. We hope your brief detention in the relaxation vault has been a pleasant one. Your specimen has been processed, and we are now ready to begin the test proper. Before we start, however, keep in mind fun and learning are the primary goals of an enrichment center activities. Serious injury may occur. For your own safety and the safety of others, please refrain from touching 
Por favor, botón de Ferrar. Muchas gracias de Ferrar. Gracias. Shell really wakes good. up. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, the audio cuts out there, which I think just sets up the the tone. Like, here's some really important information to keep you safe and keep those around you safe. But then the audio cuts out and breaks. Yeah, um, that's great. It's a great way to yeah, get just, you, like, yeah, kind of, like, jarred a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, what was that information? Why don't I know that yet? It just sets up yeah. the tone so well. Yeah. Chell, who is our, our protagonist, Chell awakes to a robotic woman's voice inside a small glass chamber. Inside is a strange sleeping chamber, a toilet, and a stereo. The stereo playing soft music. Outside the chamber, there's a camera, an observation room, and a wall on the clock that seems to be ticking down. The portal will open in three, two, one. A strange orange oval appears inside the chamber. Chell moves through it without thinking. She finds herself somewhere else, and for a moment, briefly sees an image of herself in the portal before exiting and moving to the next chamber. Inside the next chamber is a switch and a large button on the floor. Chell walks up to the button and pushes it. A strange cube falls from... Uh, a strange cube falls from a tube in the sky. She instinctively grabs it, places the cube on the button on the floor. The door slides open and you enter an elevator. Excellent. Please proceed into the chamber lock after completing each test. First, however, note the incandescent particle field across the exits. The Aperture Science Material Emancipation Grill will vaporize any unauthorized equipment that passes through it. For instance, the Aperture Science Weighted Storage Cube. As you exit and move into the elevator that takes you into the next chamber, you find yourself in a room. The walls are white and clinical. A camera can be seen on the wall. The voice again repeats. Please place the weighted sword cube on the 150 megawatt Aperture Science Heavy Duty Super Colliding Super Button. Chell again uses the buttons to move the portal around the room, grabs the cube, and uses it to solve the testing chamber. Perfect. Please move quickly to the chamber lock, as the effects of prolonged exposure to the button are not part of the test. You make your way into the elevator to move forward. Up or down, you can't be sure, but it seems to be the only way. You exit into another chamber, again hearing the robotic voice overhead. You're doing very well. Please be advised that a noticeable taste of blood is not part of the test protocol, but is an unintended side effect of the Aperture Science Material Emancipation Grill, which may, in some rare cases, emancipate dental fillings, crowns, tooth manual, and teeth. Chell moved to the next chamber. Sitting in the center of the chamber is, a, is some kind of gun that is able to create these blue and orange portals that she's been using to solve these puzzles. Now, with the gun in hand, she'll be able to create these portals at will. As she solves the next chamber, she realizes these portals can only be created on certain services as she moves forward. Very good. You are now in possession of the Aperture Science handheld portal device. With it, you can create your own portals. These interdimensional gates have proven to be completely safe. This device, however, is not. Do not touch the operational end of the device. Do not look directly at the operational end of the device. Do not submerge the device in liquid, even partially. Most importantly, do not, under Most importantly, do not under any circumstances, should you... Chell uses the portal device and quickly move to the next chamber. Well done! Remember, the Aperture Science Bring Your Daughter to Work Day is the perfect time to have her tested. Welcome so, to Chess... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, can I, can I jump in? Please do, please do. There's a bunch there. So, from a narrative perspective, Ryan, do you yeah. think that this is... Uh, so, Chell is just kind of going through, right? She wakes up and she just kind of starts, she starts to go through all these testing chambers, doesn't say yeah. anything, right? And from mm -hmm. a narrative perspective, do you think that this is more of the gamey stuff we kind of saw from Borderlands, where you kind of do things because that's the game? Or do you think that there's some kind of narrative plot here to the fact that she's doing these things without much resistance? So I think it could. I think you could make a case for either way. I think because of what we see later in the game and because of what we know about this character, um, in, in the purview of this game, I don't think it's explained. But... Um, Based on the writing that's done throughout this experience, I think it was intentionally done. I think the fact that she doesn't speak speaks to something about the character and who they are as a, as a, a being. 
I think they're that same empty vessel that we see in a lot of games, but there's something a little bit different about this vessel um, in that the world around you kind of remarks that you can't speak. So it's not something that is ignored, which is in Borderlands. Um, it is something that is explicitly talked about, which then mm-hmm. makes it feel like a character trait. The fact that they're just moving through these things, I'm not sure if it's because it's a game and you have to move through, but I think we don't know why this character is here. We don't know what their experiences are. We don't know at all what's happened to them. So I, I don't know if we can say one or the other. What do you think? Yeah, I think you make a really good case. I, and I think, too, before going over this, I would have said it was just totally gamey, right? Like, this is kind of, it's a game, so this is what you have to do. If I'm putting myself into Chell's shoes, right, and um, and I wake up, and it is said in the story that she cannot talk, so I cannot talk, right? And I'm told I have to do this thing, and I'm just stuck in this room unless I do this thing, I'm probably going to do that. I'm probably going to go through this portal, right, like I'm being told to do. So now I'm kind of thinking, yeah, maybe this is narrative. Maybe this is I mean, there's something more going on here that we don't understand, you know? I mean, it's not so much like you said, Borderlands, where we're just kind of this empty vessel being told what to do. Um, that there actually might be more to um, Chell's story than we realize right now that can explain why she's just kind of going along with these these tests. Um, because honestly, if you didn't, you'd just be stuck in this room, right? And, yeah. and constantly being bugged by this robot to, to go forward. So it makes sense to me in that perspective. Um, but I'm very curious what other people think, too, if, if they felt like this is kind of gamey or if there was more to this than the meets the eye. And I think you made a great point there in that you said that the game edges you to move forward. So, like, if you just stand there and don't do anything, the game says, like, hey, make sure you go through. Why are, what are you doing? Why are you just standing there? I told you to go through. Like, it, it, it pushes you in that direction. The game realizes that you as a player have agency and you as a, as a, as a character, Chell has agency, but it's pushing her to do this thing and it's it's explicitly talked about in the game which again goes back to that like it, it's just really good writing like in mm-hmm. borderlands at no point do they, they they tell you to do things but if you don't do them there's not always a reaction i think in the later games they they pick up on that but <laughs> in in this game they explicitly tell you like you said keep moving keep moving you got to get moving what are you doing why are you just standing there and they they comment on it all throughout the game in a really great way so yeah i think that's a good point i think yeah i think that definitely i think that's what is really good about this writing is that they, they they make it so that there is a reason to keep going in, in a sense that like someone is waiting for you something is waiting for you to do this next step right it's not like someone in borderlands telling you that you need to go do this and then the world kind of just keeps moving while you stand still and nothing really happens until you do something this is like an ai telling you hey you're just standing around you gotta move you know so what are you doing like go you know, and that kind of gives it, like you said, agency, uh, a reason to keep moving forward, which I think is really interesting. I did, yeah. and I think it's so cool. Just this, like, ten minutes we started recording uh, or doing the story, I I didn't think of that until just now. I didn't see it that way until just now. So again, perspective is everything. That's really cool. Yeah. Welcome to test chamber number four. You're doing quite well. Shell uses the portal device, a large red button, and a sphere. Shell uses the portal device, a large red button, and a sphere to quickly solve this chamber. Once again, excellent work. As part of acquired testing protocol, we will not monitor this next test chamber. You'll be entirely on your own. Good luck. Chell works her way through another chamber. As she does, the voice again comes over the intercom. As part of the acquired test protocol, our previous statement suggests that we would not monitor this chamber as an outright fabrication. Good job. As part of the required testing protocol, we will stop enhancing the truth. In three, two, whoa. It's really interesting because what, again, is very smart about this writing is that it's starting to show you that something is... Something more is going on here. 
the test the the AI is like, all right, we're not going to monitor this testing chamber. Don't worry about it. Good luck. And then quickly goes, that was a lie. We are going to watch you do this one, um, and we'll stop enhancing the truth. You know, and like, so so we we already understand that we cannot we cannot trust this AI already. This AI is definitely there's something more going on here because like important information keeps getting cut out, and then the AI is telling us that no, it's lying. And so if it's able to lie, <laughs> then, then <laughs> definitely something that we shouldn't be trusting right away. At least not for me. If I was in, in Shell's shoes, I would be very skeptical about what to believe this AI is telling me. Yeah, yeah. And I think with all of the language that we're seeing, this very kind of corporate, pre-recorded language, this was designed this way, right? It was designed to lie to you and then tell you the truth. And then now we're going to stop lying to you in this really kind of corporate by the books way that is just so ridiculous and so interesting that it makes you want to know more about what is going on here. Why is this <laughs> happening um, in, a, in a really great way? Do you think that the at this point in the game, right, from narrative perspective, did you find the bring to daughter your work statement from Chamber Three? Was that anything of importance to you, or do you think that it's just kind of just a throwaway line? So in the moment, it just felt kind of like a throwaway line, and I think. Um, which is what makes it such a great line that, yeah. and like we talked about at the beginning, there's so much of this that's just thrown at you and none of it sticks. Or it just is like this quippy, interesting thing that was said that has no context. But then moving forward, it means a great deal. Yeah, and which is why it's a good story to, to go back to after finishing, because then you pick yeah. up on all those subtle things that you missed the first time or the second time for, for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it took a little while. But, um, but yeah, that's what's so great about the short this short narrative is, is perfect for all the little things they, they throw at you that you don't really understand that you can go back and kind of understand again. Fairly, very well done. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, the, the writing is just wonderful, wonderful. Um, and I will say, um, I like, like I've communicated, I cut out a lot of the testing parts because the gameplay is really engaging and exciting. I do not want to spoil that for anybody. I don't want to tell you the, how to solve any of these because I think the magic of this, that is the game, right, is solving those things. I want right. to give you the narrative without telling you the solution to these puzzles. Um, if you, as a listener, or, or want to hear more about that, let us know so that we know in the future when we maybe tackle another portal game that you <laughs> want to hear more of what that solution sounding looks like. I, mean, I will say right now, Ryan, Gabe, anyone on the team, uh, if you're secretly working on Portal 3 <laughs> and you need more voices, <laughs> do please. I know two guys for the job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, please. Oh my god, please. Let me be a, a companion cube. I'll be anything. I'll be uh, Chell's portal gun that talks. Like, <laughs> that was a really bad shot. Like that's great. I'll do it. I'll I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. Please. Just just let me, please. <laughs> let us, please. <laughs> I think that was good. I think that was a good call out. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna call us soon. Ryan, what if we were the voices of the portal gun? One I was one portal, you were the other portal. Oh, one like was criticizing what... <laughs> what was encouraging. How great right. would that be? That's really good. I, I think you need to be careful. You're giving away these really good ideas for free, Eric. I think we need to hold hold some close to our chest because what an incredible <laughs> idea that not these two portals have two different personalities and what does that mean and who's trapped in those personalities and then Yes. Uh, yes. It's oh, just have... it just writes itself. I have plenty more that came from Ryan. I won't, I won't tell our secrets quite yet until I get a, a phone call from Gabe. Okay. Yeah, so that was that incredible idea was one of his bad ideas. So just think. What's in there, Gabe? Just think. That was one of my really trash garbage ideas. It definitely was not the best one. So uh, if that's what you're thinking, then you're wrong, obviously. So please, uh, yeah, Valve, Gabe, anyone on team, please. Uh, 
please uh, call me, please. I need a job, please. Yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there is precedent for calling up people and giving them jobs, so why not? That's... I mean, Stephen Merchant did a great job in number two, which we'll get to eventually. Uh, not, yeah. To, yeah. not to go too far ahead of ourselves. but uh, no, And it's... I think, I, I'm not saying I could be the next Stephen Merchant, but, but... Yeah, okay. We'll <laughs> let you be the judge when we record Portal 2. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> no it's, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. As you move through more and more tests, the robotic voice continues to speak to you. Unbelievable! You, subject name here, must be the pride of subject hometown here. As you enter the next chamber, you see another portal life sitting in the center of the room. Use the... Using the device in hand, Chell makes her way towards it and grabs it as the voice speaks. The device has been modified so it can now manufacture two linked portals at once. As part of an optional testing protocol, we are pleased to present you with an amusing fact. The device now is more valuable than the organs and combined incomes of everyone in Subject's hometown here. Now that you are in control of both portals, the next test should take you a very, very long time. If you become lightheaded from thirst, feel free to pass out. An intubation associate will be dispatched to revive you with a peptic salve and adrenaline. So, uh, so nice of them. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> to encourage you to passing out, and uh, they'll, they'll bring you back, though. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll get you some adrenaline and some, just to get it's you like back the, Yeah, it's like the nicest way for a corporation to, like, lend a helping hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you said, very corporate talk. Yeah, and I think that similar to rapture was a character not only is this voice a character and chell in some ways a character we're starting to get an idea of the company itself as a character they value mm-hmm. science they value testing but they do not value in any way human life <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and we'll see that kind of moving forward because like they have these kind of pre-canned lines they tell you the worth of this gun is worth more than a whole town of people um, if you pass out, don't worry. We'll just revive you so you can keep testing. The We're starting to get an idea of what Chell's goal is, but what the goal of this space is, what the what the purpose of these chambers is. Slowly, we're getting a trickle of information on, on what's going on. Yeah, slowly but surely, right? We're yeah. kind of understanding that there's more uh, of a, a malicious intent, I feel like, in this in going on in the background here. Yeah, yeah. As Chell works through the next series of tests, the voice, the only voice we've heard, starts to cut out. Static can be heard instead of audio. It seems to fix itself after you make your way deeper into the chamber. As you work through more testing chambers, you are greeted with, The Enrichment Center is committed to the well-being of all participants. Cake and grief counseling will be available at the conclusion of the test. Thank you for helping us help you help us all. So if we can stop right here for a second. Yeah, I think that's a great place. So this is a great place to stop. So one, again, <laughs> offering cake and grief counseling uh, at the conclusion of the test uh, is very interesting, <laughs> right? Uh, this kind of indicates that this test is going to cause a lot of trauma <laughs> or put the potential to cause trauma. Um, but more importantly, we see the evidence, the first evidence of cake being a reward in this game. Yeah. And so it's actually super interesting too, for the background information, um, so for the, for the development team at Valve making this game, um, they sat down and they tried to kind of figure out while they're going through the narrative to figure out the kind of philosophy of the AI encouraging you to move forward and kind of like what the purpose that would be to move forward in this game, um, which I think is a super smart idea to, to consider. Um, but I guess they, they really struggled. Apparently like the 15 minutes went by of complete silence and no one had any good ideas like to what would move uh, Chell forward through all these testing uh, site or all the, through all the testing um, until one person spoke up and talked about how everyone likes cake 
and cake is a, a pretty good reward. <laughs> and that's where, and that kind of stuck. And that's where this, this whole, you know, we'll get deeper into it. Um, the whole cake meme in, in this game kind of took off. You know, the philosophy was you do well, you'll get some cake. And I mean, I, I can't say they're wrong. I would do yeah. the same thing. <laughs> if an AI told me to get these tests and I get cake, I mean, I want to get through the tests to get out of there, but I would also want the cake. So I think it's fantastic. It's smart and it's, um, it's funny and interesting that, that it's, it's so random. That's what's so great about it. It's not money. It's not some kind of monetary value. It's not this, um, it's not even her freedom that she's offered, right? She's offered cake. It's so weird and random and, and so cool. Yeah, and I think at least my interpretation of what what the purpose of this might be is similar to like at rats love cheese let's give them cheese after they make it through this maze humans love cake let's give them cake like they, wow. they have the same value right like we Great give rats comparison. cheese so they get through the maze we give humans cake so like that is that is kind of the driving force because they don't that's all that we are worth right is is working through something and we're the reward our our life in order to, according to this ai and the philosophy of this ai is we the same value as a rat through a maze, um, which I think is echoed through other characters in the in the series. Is it sad that I would also do this for cheese? Yeah, I mean, because cheese is very, very good. <laughs> it's very good. I mean, depends. I'm not a blue cheese kind of guy, and I don't yeah, judge people who fair. are. That's that's your own prerogative. Um, but man, you put a good provolone in front of me, or you put a yeah. good sharp cheese. I will. I'll go through any test you want. Or can you imagine if there was like a, a nice charcuterie board with like some nice cheeses oh. and bread? And Ooh. some some jam, Oil yeah. Jam. I would I would do a lot of things to get a, a nice <laughs> board of cheese. <laughs> so, Gabe, if you want us to be <laughs> voice actors in Portal Three, all you need is a nice little spread of cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. we'll we'll be there. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it for cheese. And I'm um, not dropping this joke. <laughs> I'm making this a reality, one way or another. <laughs> you just have to will. I think they say that if you want something to happen, you just have to will it into existence. And I think that's what's happening here, and it I can't think not happen. I'm trying to will it into the storygoers to mm. will it into Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of willing, uh, <laughs> but uh, what you know, come hell or high water, we're gonna do this. We're gonna make yeah, this happen. Uh, even if it's sending you know audio clips to to Valve, I'm sure they would really appreciate that. Yeah. They'd be like, who are these two random dudes and why are they pitching from Portal 3? Um, you never know. You never know. What, what could happen? Yeah. Uh, but also, if you're listening to this, uh, members of Valve, please don't sue us. Uh, this is all... I know you wrote this story and we're just kind of retelling it, but please don't sue us. It's because we love you. Yeah, yeah. I hope they don't sue us. Jeez, <laughs> no, please, I don't think they can. Lovely. I think it's. I think we're in... Uh, I think I think this is uh, far enough connected that we would be just fine. I don't I think someone... That. Okay. I don't think someone could argue that this experience is equivalent to playing or substitutes playing any of these games. <laughs> we do a very good job, but I don't know if you could say that. I mean, yeah. I, I will say, though, if you do sue us, Valve, I will still be a voice actor of Portal 3. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't put it past me, okay? Uh, I'll hold so it against just, you. Just, you know, sue me, get over with, and we'll, we'll start Portal 3. Yeah. yeah. That's, good. A good, that's a good pitch. You could settle. Settle for... So it's fine. As a voice actor. I'm sure they'll yeah. love me. I'm sure that's yeah. worth yeah, for sure. worth suing for. They could just ask me, but if they want to sue me, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Please don't. Please don't do that. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. For the love of God, I have nothing. Please don't do that. <laughs> uh, using the portal device, you work through an increasingly difficult testing chambers, learning how to manipulate portals to achieve greater momentum, reach new heights, and quickly move through each chamber. Shell is a natural, and with ease is able to solve chamber after chamber. As you exit the new chamber, you see a strange small robot with red eyes and lights. 
They fire on sight, but using the portable device, you quickly appear above one and behind them. You knock them on their side, causing them to become immobile and malfunction. Chell realizes the chambers are getting increasingly more complex and more dangerous. As she exits in what seems to be called Chamber 17, the AI voice states, The vital apparatus vent will deliver a weighted companion cube in 3, 2, 1. This weighted companion cube will accompany you through the test chamber. Please take care of it. A tube in the wall opens, dropping the cube into the chamber. This cube looks like the weighted storage cube she has been using throughout the testing, but this one's different. It has a small heart on it. Chell carries the cube with her as she moves to the testing chamber. This cube is vital to get through the chamber. With cube and portal device in hand, she makes her way towards the exit with ease, but not before another message. The symptoms most commonly produced by the Enrichment Center testing are superstition, perceived inanimate objects as lives, and hallucinations. The Enrichment Center reminds you that the Weighted Companion Cube will never threaten to stab you. In fact, it cannot speak. The Enrichment Center reminds you that the Weighted Companion Cube cannot speak. In the event of the Weighted Companion Cube does speak, the Enrichment Center urges you to disregard its advice. That is super interesting. Um, and actually, sh- should I go into some of the, the fan theories about that right now? Yeah, please do. Help? This is a great place for it. Okay. Um, so this is super interesting that the AI says this, right? She says that in the uh, the event that this companion cube does speak, uh, disregard any advice, right? Um, and actually, there's a really popular fan theory uh, in this game that these companion cubes are stuffed with essentially dead bodies, right? That per- are presumably from uh, a situation from the past. They're put into these cubes. Um, so the idea of these of these companion cubes talking comes, you know, correlates to the, the idea that there's someone inside these things trying to talk to you which is terrifying to think about. Yeah, and I think um, it is made more terrifying as we learn more about what Aperture has done and is able to do in the past as far as um, how it refers to uh, different other AIs and machinery. Yeah, and kind of, it's very telling. If if someone's telling you that this shouldn't talk to you and if it does talk to you, just disregard it. That's, that's very uh, telling. Um, I, I mean, I will say this kind of further you know, perpetuates this narrative that this enrichment center that we are trapped in it has no regard for your well-being and wants you to just keep moving. Ignore what you hear. Ignore what you see. Don't pay attention to any of the things going on. Your focus is to make it through the test so you can get your reward of cake at the end. It's just kind of further promoting that kind of evil corporation that doesn't care about you but is willing to do whatever it takes to get its results. Right, right. And I think it's funny that they call it an enrichment center because I think someone could argue that it's not essentially an enrichment center for humans. It's more of an enrichment center for science. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the term enrichment center uh, is something very different than I think what a normal person would, would perceive it to mean or yeah. for the intent of that, of what is being enriched enriched here. So very interesting, very fun. It's almost like kind of comical. Yeah. It's very ironic. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And I think one of the things that they established right from the beginning, and hopefully I've done an okay job conveying, um, is all throughout this experience, this AI is telling you, you know, what you're doing is for science, what you're doing is for the good of everyone. The goal here is science. And this company is going to save the world with the science by helping us. We help everyone help us, right? Like the, the goal is to help you. What you're doing is good, even though what you're going through is possibly very dangerous um and uh could cause all these symptoms and other side effects you you know what i mean like yeah even though there are some people have experienced it melts the enamel of their teeth and blood comes out their ears if that happens just let us know if you pass out just let us know so we can help you so you can keep testing right like yeah 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 it's never for the it's never to there's never a time where you feel like 
they're looking out for you for you they're looking out for you for their betterment of improving their experiment or their results or whatever they're kind of going for um which again is very telling it's very telling for what's kind of happening in the background of this of what's going on it's very i love that it's presented in this kind of happy you know we're friends you know like i am trying to help you get through these test chambers um and I'm, you know I'm, I'm watching i'm kind of like encouraging you good luck um but i really don't care i really don't yeah. care about you i don't care about you yourself or your um your safety or your health i care more about if you can finish this test or not and what right. i can gain from that right uh, and i think one of the things this pairs really well with is what you spoke about before even though it's not overt that connection with half-life and and this this experience the company in half-life black mesa has very similar company values as this company here and i think they're just further establishing a world in which companies have control and they don't really value human life the, the goal is kind of this great scientific breakthrough um, which I think calls back to what we've seen a lot of these experiences in, in Bioshock and in some of the others where the the company, the writer's view, worldview is kind of coming through a little bit. Here's what they believe is the goal of, of giant science companies or giant companies in general. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that cor- corporations that care more about profit than companies, is, so this takes place in 2020, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the value is in the product, not necessarily the people who are using the products. <laughs> So the, this game takes place in 2020. Got it. I guess. Possibly. Yeah. That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, just had to. <laughs> Perfect. That's all I needed to know. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but but again, you know, it's a time in which if it is 2020 uh, and there's cake involved and like a way I can get to a safe clinical space, science, get at me. Let me I know. mean, honestly, at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. If I have, if I can just have a bed, a toilet, and a nice stereo that plays soft music, I'm there. I'm there. Throw me just through gotta portal. solve solve puzzles every day. Yeah, it's fine. If um, Gabe Newell wants to hire us <laughs> to be voice actors, all right, never mind. Sorry, I'm going. To no, it's perfect. It's so wonderful. I love the reoccurring uh, Gabe Newell needs to hire. I'm sure the I'm sure the storygoers love it. I'm sure they're just so happy to hear me bring that up every time we stop yeah. to talk about something. Take keep in mind, companies. This game is saying companies are evil and don't trust them. But Valve, let us know, please. <laughs> Ryan, don't you dare ruin our chance right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't. Cut that out. Cut that out. Don't leave it in. Okay, don't listen to him. <laughs> too happy right now talking about your beautiful game. Don't worry about it. I'm a corporate apologist right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this game's bringing out the worst of me, right? Yeah. Or, or, or the best. Or the best. Probably the worst, but maybe the best. <laughs> right. As Chell approaches the exit, she sees another vital apparatus vent in the floor, sealed with a switch beyond it. The door forward is sealed as well. Before Chell is able to find a solution, the voice again speaks. You did it! The weighted companion cube certainly has brought you good luck. However, it cannot accompany you for the rest of the test and must unfortunately be euthanized. Please escort your companion cube to the Aperture Science Emergency Intelligence Incinerator. So, sorry, really quick, I want to say too, euthanized. (laughs) Yeah, what a word. The cube is euthanized. Not destroyed, not, you know, uh, disassembled. It's euthanized. That is, that is so, like, I, that word, I think, is so specifically chosen. It's just too, it's too, uh, it's too, ah, what am I trying to say? Um, that word is just very specific. There's a reason that word was chosen, right? Which I think supports the theory that maybe those are dead people inside there, or there are people inside those companion yeah. cubes, you know? 
or that the cubes themselves have some kind of life and sentience and existence and you're not yeah. destroying them you're you know choosing to kill them right you're you're euthanizing them killing them for their own good um or yeah. Just kill, yeah yeah which that I mean again i i think there's evidence to show that that chell is kind of more of a pawn than a uh, valued test subject mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what her usefulness is so if there really are um people in some way shape or form inside these companion cubes and they're being euthanized i think that kind of supports the fact that this you know that aperture science doesn't really care about these people you know and that there's kind of a, a more evidence to support that very cool i i didn't i don't think i ever realized that until you just said that line that they use the word euthanized i just never it never yeah. occurred to me so very very interesting I, it's such a smart way to kind of I mean, if we're right, I think this is a very smart way to kind of put puzzle pieces together. Yeah, I mean, that the writing is such that that single word that's been added mean, adds so many layers to this experience. Whereas before, mm-hmm. you were just destroying these cubes, but now euthanize, humanizes, or, or in some way gives life to these cubes. Uh, that one yeah. word adds, adds so many layers to that narrative in a really great way. Right. And, I mean, Inchella's doing this, right? She has to follow and do this, but, you know... Again, it kind of it's almost like a enslavement in a sense. Yeah. If that is if that is the case, if that is if that is the case, um, you know, this is a person hurting another person for the sake of a, a test. Um, right. Maybe I'm going too far into it. I don't know. It's just very interesting. Uh, I certainly think threads are there to lead you there. I don't think you're, you're making a huge <laughs> jump. And I, as we'll see, that this idea just keeps perpetuating. Right. Right. I mean, and, and say Ryan also say to podcast hosts, right? Mm-hmm. Hypothetically placed into a portal gun right uh for uh say uh, uh i don't know a sequel to uh say portal 2 say portal 2 sequel to portal 2 game. two podcast hosts in a portal gun i don't know talks to chell mm-hmm. is that i mean i don't know never mind forget i said anything go, go <laughs> ahead, great job. <laughs> there's something there yeah i think there's something there. <laughs> game duel contact us uh tales from the cartridge all these are threes i don't know just uh... <laughs> he 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 is a devoted listener he heard at the beginning he knows i'm sure he, he knows. knows i'm sure he knows yeah he's probably already sent a bunch of emails that we just haven't looked at yet because we're just his very people, yeah <laughs> his people are talking to our people um we don't necessarily have people but i mean we could um no that's how you will it into the world i think this podcast this podcast is great i love everything we're doing tales from the cartridge Perhaps, though, we make another podcast called Dave Newell Put Us in Portal 3, <laughs> where um, copying a much another beloved podcast series in which two, a bunch of podcasters got themselves into a major motion picture. Perhaps we, as podcasters, will into experience our, our, our ability to get into this game. We interview people and ask them what they thought about Portal 3 and our role in it, just off the bat, mm-hmm. without before mm-hmm. the game comes out, right? We wheel it into existence, and then they won't they won't have a choice because we're already there, we're already in it. How are you not gonna put us in it? We've already told people. Ryan, I'm 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 feeling seriously good about that idea. <laughs> I I don't see a negative in this experience. I think that uh, we have a lot to talk about when we're done recording this episode. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Thanks to all our viewers. Thanks to all our storygoers. Story Thank yeah. you for all your help. Um, I don't know if you did anything. Uh, but, but we've made you, it. You, you really helped us. Well, thank you. And I'm sure we'll try to leave some kind of cryptic message in the game for you when we record it, uh, inevitably. So, uh, yeah. Also, if, sure. we, if we go missing, um, do look for <laughs> us. Do look for us because we're maybe in a testing chamber somewhere. 
Um, and maybe in a companion queue, please don't <laughs> euthanize me. Uh, right. Yeah, that'd be great. Who knows what, <laughs> what grim future awaits us. Or, or great future. I mean, you never know. You never yeah. know. It's a coin toss. Probably not, but probably. Yeah. <laughs> coin toss. <laughs> Chell hesitates. This cube seems different. It has helped her get through the last room. For the first time, she doesn't feel so alone, even if it's just a cube. The voice again assures. Rest assured that an independent panel of ethicists has absolved the Enrichment Center, after Science employees, and all test subjects of our moral responsibility for the companion cube euthanizing process. While it has been a faithful companion, your companion cube cannot accompany you through the rest of the test. If it could talk, and the Enrichment Center takes several to remind you that it cannot, it would tell you to go on without it, because it would rather die. <laughs> <laughs> A very good line. Oh god. <laughs> if it could talk, and the enrichment center takes this opportunity to remind that it cannot, it would tell you to go on without it. Because it would rather die in a fire than become a burden to you. Although the euthanizing process is remarkably painful, eight out of ten aperture scientists engineers believe that the companion cube is most likely incapable of feeling much pain. Oh man, even more so. <laughs> right. What we're just saying. If it, yeah, like I mean the fact that they're 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 stating that it's remarkably painful for this companion cube to be incinerated. Um, but don't worry, it can't feel much pain, even though it will be incredibly painful. You know, like, you know, they're pretty sure it'd be incredibly painful. Um, again, brilliant writing. I think it's such a good, such good writing in this game because uh, it's like back and forth. It, it kind of plays with how, um, what's really going on. It, you know, it's like, uh, this would be extremely painful, but don't worry, they won't feel pain. And it's like, what? Like, I don't understand... Why would you say that first thing then if they don't feel pain? It's just such a good, it, 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 such good ways of hinting background information, I think. Yeah, and just this kind of ramp up, this slowly ramping up. If at the beginning they were just selling you a good job and not asking, asking you to do much, and now not only are they asking you to solve puzzles, they're asking you to euthanize this thing that might feel pain, right? This ramping up of stakes of what you're in and this kind of parting the veil allowing you to see how much more dark things they're going to ask you to do um, because they're they're asking you to solve this puzzle they're asking you to make your way through this experience and now they're asking you they're kind of they've they've dropped part of the charade and saying now please kill this thing it might hurt it but probably not maybe right this almost reminds me of um going harkening back to our very first episode of tales from the cartridge with bioshock um in which i mean if you haven't listened to that one listen to that first please or play bioshock so we know what we're talking about um but when uh, Jack has to kill the puppy over the audio recording with Dr. Su Chong. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, I mean, in very different circumstances, but essentially, the, you know, Jack is this test subject that has to do this very painful thing that he does not want to do. He's kind of forced to do. And in the same sense, Chell's kind of in that similar situation where she's stuck in this place having to do these um, testing chambers and now is being forced to euthanize this companion cube in order to move forward. Um, so again, is this kind of a, and I see this kind of as a scenario in which what we were saying before, is this companion cube alive? Or is this a scenario in which Aperture Science has kind of been alluding to the fact that this companion cube has feelings and really it doesn't? And what is Chell gonna do in this situation? Yeah. You know, if she know if she if she understands that maybe this this cube has some kind of like uh, sentient understanding of what's going on or it is alive and she continues to to euthanize it is that some kind of scientific um knowledge that can be gained from that experience does that does that make sense yeah that makes sense and i think um 
one of the things that enforces that even more is they never at any point tell us what they're testing for. They never tell us why they're testing us, what they're hoping to get, which I think is is important because when you're doing some kind of double blind or blind test, you don't want to tell them what they're testing for. But that just adds to this layer of you don't know what it is that you're doing is moving the test forward. You don't know what they're testing. And like you said, is the test, will you kill this cube after you've built a companionship with it? Or is the test something else entirely? And they never tell you and you, you never know. Yeah. And I think it's a good, I mean, I think it's kind of a good thing they don't let you know ever. Yeah. Right, it's always that kind of mystery lingering in the back of your mind because I don't. I think something that, that not storygoers, but listeners in general to stories, like people who enjoy stories, kind of expect that all answers need to be kind of given to be satisfied with the story. Um, I myself don't feel that way. I think that it's kind of good when there's a little bit of mystery left in a story that you not know, all the mysteries are solved because then it kind of gives you a reason to kind of keep thinking about it, and you can kind of jump to your own conclusions or, or figure out your own kind of. Um, reasoning for that mystery i think it's a good thing so at the end of the day we may not understand what these tests are for but i think it's kind of a, a kind of a cool thing for the the viewer of the story to kind of dissect and, and break down and try to figure out that for themselves yeah and i think something that we see in a lot of stories is like the scariest of horror stories are when you don't ever see that creature because then you're filling in that blank space and Mm-hmm. The writers don't have to write this incredibly terrifying creature because they're allowing your imagination to do it and you're going to do a better job than anything they could do. So I think, right, like you right. said, it's the same thing here. They're not going to tell you what they're testing for. You're not going to tell you what's going on because they're going to allow they're going to allow the storygoer, they're going to allow the player to imagine whatever far-fetched thing and then the work is done for them. It's Like you said, it's just so smart and that mm-hmm. mystery adds so much. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think it's a very smart way of doing things. Chell listens, trying to find a way forward with the companion cube, but sees no way. She grabs the cube, places it on the metal opening, and hits the switch. A burst of heat exits the tube as the cube tumbles downward. A voice again responds. You've euthanized your faithful companion cube more quickly than any other test object on record. Congratulations! The door moves open, and Chell moves forward. It's her only option. Rip. Companion yeah, cube. Rip companion cube. <laughs> Which, again, like that companion cube spawn so many mains and it's it's mm-hmm. like it it's in so many other games just as this fun hint and that is the full extent of our experience with the companion cube in this game and from yeah. it we see so much of it in the popular culture around video games it's very interesting i can tell you how many like car dice i've seen of companion cubes in my lifetime yeah <laughs> or like you know anything car related like bumper stickers or something like that i've always seen companion cubes yeah. um super funny and interesting and ryan do you think that there's any kind of context or any kind of importance to the fact that this ai just told chell that she euthanized her companion cube faster than any other test subject on record is there any significance to that my only guess is and and i'd love to hear what you think as well my only guess is that this is somehow they want to make this ambiguous as possible they want to know they they as the ai is trying to make you feel something and that is, is maybe it's part of that testing experience Alternatively, it could just be like a really funny line that the writers thought, because no matter when you put the tech cube in, it says that. No matter if you wait a half hour, no matter if you wait 10 minutes, it gives you that line. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I think it, I, I think that listening to this experience, I feel like Chell is this kind of um, this victim in this whole thing, right? She's being forced to do these these things. Um, so I don't I have a really hard time seeing her as this kind of. Uh, soulless person even though she doesn't have any lines so far but this you know we talked about that later on um 
so her euthanizing this companion cube faster than anyone else i don't know if that necessarily that, that makes me feel like it, sh it should mean something poor towards towards her character you know um but then again maybe she's just a survivor and this is what she understands she has to do so um so it's hard I, I, it's hard when it's kind of out of context we don't know enough about shell to kind of jump to that conclusion um but i would like to think that she did it because she knew she had to not because um she's like uh, has no empathy or no kind of feelings you know what i mean not this empty shell um but what I also found interesting too is that this is where we get kind of confirmation that there's that Chell is not the only one doing these tests, or has not been the only one to ever do these tests. There are others like her, which I think is is very telling, right? So the, the idea that that you're not the only one doing all these things, um, you're not the only one being forced to go through these test chambers is kind of um, is kind of uplifting in a sense. You're not the only one doing these things, but also terrifying because you've not seen anybody this whole time. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that again, this this little thing that's written in, and maybe there are other lines in it that, that I, I just didn't connect with, but there are the, this little line, this thrown in thing, like you did it, you killed this thing faster than anyone else, gives you us as a as a as a listener, us as a storygoer, so much. It, it expands this world so much. Like you said, how many other test subjects are out there? How many are going through this as well? Why am I going through this? What have they gone through? Why did they choose to do it faster than I did? Are they yeah. still out there? You know what I mean? It, it adds so much. It, it adds so much fluff or flavor to this world. It, yeah, it creates more mystery, like we were just talking about. You know, so you kind of like, I don't know if anyone went this far into it, especially. I mean, maybe right now this is probably the, the farthest I've gone into to Chell's character myself talking about this rather than playing the game. Um, but this definitely kind of helps you understand maybe your Chell better than. You know, as as you understand, like you you euthanize this thing faster than anybody else. What does that say about Chell for you? You yeah. know, does it mean that she's worse of a person than you realized? Is or is there more to it? You know, I'm very curious what other people's perspectives are. Um, I would love to know them. Please let us know. I think that is, is a really cool question um, to think about. With the door open, Chell moves forward. It's her only option. As you make your way into the next room, the AI speaks. This experiment is nearing its conclusion. The enrichment, the enrichment Center is required to remind you that you'll be baked and there will be cake. Chell listens and quickly moves to solve the chamber. She's almost out, almost free. The portal device now feels like an extension of herself. Nothing can get in her way as she moves through the chamber. She quickly solves it and makes her way towards the exit. Or again, she hears, Well done. Be advised. The next test requires exposure to uninsulated electrical parts that may be dangerous under certain conditions. For more information, please attend the Enrichment Center Electrical Safety Seminar. Chell steps into the elevator and makes her way down to the final test. Do you feel like there's any kind of connection between Chell and this AI at this point in the story? Or do you feel like they're kind of still kind of, um, this AI is kind of like a, a means to an end? You know what I mean? Is yeah. there any kind of connection here? Or do you feel like that it's just, there's nothing there? Yeah, that's a great question because it's certainly, as a, as a player, I have some kind of connection to the AI just because I've been having this experience. But I don't know if there is some kind of background. Chell, as a, a, a voiceless protagonist, doesn't engage back. Um, and, mm -hmm. and as far as I can tell, the AI, I, I don't know, now that, now that we're kind of aware, have been made aware that there's multiple tests, I don't know if this AI is saying this only to us or if there's other tests happening at the same time, but I'm not sure. It's, it's hard yeah, to know yeah. if, if there's a connection there. What do you think? Yeah, I think that there's a, a back and forth we know better. Um, 
but if I had to guess, probably not. I, I think that there probably isn't anything kind of um, bringing these two together. I think it's just like like we're saying, this AI is more of a, a means, you know, or just, it's kind of just in the background, kind of telling you what to do, and and Chell just understands that this is what she has to do. Yeah, certainly, like the lines that you're that you're being given. Um, feel really clinical. They have these really strange, dark undertones, but they still are being presented in a really clinical way with, mm-hmm. I, I am not doing the voice justice, please go listen to these voice lines, in this really like automated <laughs> message, but this amazing quippiness and darkness to it that's, that's presented in just an incredible way that makes me feel that, I don't know, I either, that th- th- there is something more about this AI, but we don't have any idea what it is. Right, yeah, I think that it's one thing to hear it from from here, but I think that, yeah, going back and playing this again, the the delivery of these lines are very much more. No, and you're doing a great job, Ryan. No, it's but okay. It's they're they're so impactful because of just how they how the voice sounds and and the way that they're saying these things. It's super interesting. Yeah. She exits the final elevator, eager to leave to escape to find out where she is and why. A final message from the voice. Welcome to the final test. When you are done, you will drop the device in the Equipment Recovery Annex. Enrichment Center regulations require both hands be empty for any cake. <laughs> Chell makes her way through the most difficult chamber yet. One portal in the wrong place and she would land into the dangerous water below. A bouncing ball of energy flies throughout the room. Using the portal device, she delivers it to its destination and solves the last testing chamber. She lands on a conveyor belt, the image of a cake on the wall ahead, but as the voice speaks, the belt turns. Before her, she sees a massive furnace. Congratulations, the test is now over. All aperture technologies remain safely operational up to 4,000 degrees Kelvin. Rest assured, there is no chance of a dangerous equipment malfunction prior to your victory candalescence. Thank you for participating in this aperture science computer-aided enrichment activity. Goodbye. As Chell moves towards the furnace, the heat from the fire glows. She frantically looks around, portal device still in hand. As she approaches the fire, she notices the walls around her. Could a portal be placed on them? She begins to look around to find a place for the portal to land. The blue portal lands in the back wall near the catwalk. Shell looks around to find another surface to place the orange portal. The heat from the furnace almost unbearable, but right above the furnace wall, a place where the portal sticks. She quickly fires, and the orange portal opens. She jumps through the portal. The heat subsides. She is safe for now. The voice, now distorted, replies, What are you doing? Stop. I, 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 I. We are pleased that you made it through the final challenge, where we pretended that we were going to murder you. We are very happy for your success. We are throwing you a party in honor of your tremendous success. Place the device on the ground and lie on your stomach with your arms at your sides. A party associate will arrive to shortly escort you to your party. Make no further attempts to leave the testing area. Assume the party escort submission position, or you will miss the party. I love, I love that they're, it's almost, it's very human in a, yeah. in a sense of it's like like they start to like what what are you doing and then it's like oh hold on wait we gotta we gotta you know reel this back here don't we're throwing you a party now congratulations you've done such a great job just get on the ground put the gun down and we'll come and get you yeah. like it, it's it's trying to like I feel like it's trying to like appeal to the human mentality where like humans are essentially kind of uh, can be greedy individuals right so if you're being told like we're gonna give this to you if you can just do this. Um, then it's like, oh, okay, I'll do that, you know? And so that's, in my mind, is kind of like what's happening with this AI. This AI is like, what can we do to, to get her to stop? Like, she's, she's not doing what we're supposed, she's supposed to be doing. We'll, we'll tell her we're throwing her a party, right? She'll want to stop if she, she can have a party and she can have cake. Um, very funny. It's very human. It's, like, it's almost like they're trying to just outsmart the human. And we see this shift from 
this AI is just saying these rote lines throughout to now it's adjusting on the fly, right? Which lets us know, mm-hmm. oh, maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe this isn't just a robotic voice that is piped to everybody. Maybe this voice can adapt and change and adjust and is thinking in real time, letting us know that maybe instead of just a voice, it's it's some kind of smart thinking creature. And I think that's a great point you made about kind of appealing to the human element because how many times... Like, this does not feel also like something made up on the fly. How many times has she had to give this line? You know what I mean? How many times has she had to mention the party escort submission position? Um, Which is, again, a very fun thing to say. Yeah. I'm wondering, too, like, well, see, the part of me, too, is thinking, like, this probably hasn't happened before, right? Because I feel like if it happened before, they probably would, like, change the, yeah, or change how they would eliminate the participants, right? So, like, this makes me feel like, wait, maybe this AI is more coherent than we have been giving it credit if that you know what i mean so like um this kind of gives it like this is like okay this ai is smarter than it's been letting on like it's been trying to kind of look stupid in a sense like not look as very smart but now we're kind of seeing wait there's way more this ai is way more coherent way more cognitive cognizant than we gave it credit for up till now yeah i think that's a great point Chell quickly looks from her portal surfaces. She doesn't know where she is going, but she notices arrows written on the wall. She has to escape. She has to move forward. She follows them. Other surface, another portal. She runs up rusted stairways and through closed doors and continues to climb upwards. So these arrows that, that Chell's following, uh, we see little places throughout the game where Chell finds these kind of little safe havens that someone's made and like behind panels. And, and, and we can kind of uh, understand that there's someone else here, right? We never see them. Um, but they're given this code name Ratman. What do you think about these places that we find, Ryan? Yeah, and I think this is something that I wasn't sure. This is one of the things I struggled with adding or not because it's something that you can miss totally as a player. I think my first time playing through, I didn't notice these things. It's not something that's... Mm-hmm. These arrows are certainly something you see, but those little hidden nooks and crannies, you have to like solve extra puzzles to get to them in some cases. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's really interesting, This this idea of... There's somebody else who's made it through or who's gone through this experience and they've escaped or they've done something and now you're seeing kind of things left behind by them. Uh, it, again, it's just ask more, it asks more questions without ever giving you an answer. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's messages too that we see Ratman acknowledges that Chell's existence. Like he knows of her. Mm-hmm. Um, which is super interesting, which again creates more mystery. And I know there's a, a really popular fan theory that some people think that Ratman is, is Chell's father um, without any context of like other information from other games. Um, but up to this point, in, in Portal 1, people are assuming that potentially Ratman is Chell's father because I think that there's, a, there's some uh, section in the game or some writing on the wall that acknowledges that Ratman... Actually, I don't think that's in this game. I think it's in the next game. Yeah, and, and one of the things, just on that, I think one of the things we'll see is a lot of these theories that are started we see a conclusion of or an extension of in the, in the next game yeah yeah there's, there's yeah there's much more there's many more theories um concerning uh parentage and and connections between individuals in the next game mm-hmm. that i think would be a lot of fun to explore yeah speaking of exploring though yes if we could just be voices for a portal gun <laughs> right, i'm done as i want to bring the joke back we didn't talk about it in a while all right let's continue the story <laughs> no i think i i always love reoccurring bits i think it, it adds a nice fun little uh, uh thing to it and then again like in four episodes we're talking about a different game you can bring it up. <laughs> i want to bring it up again yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe we just have a part of every single game where we pitch every single writer to hire us for their next I sequel. I think that's a great... Eventually, it's going to work. <laughs> it has to. It eventually has to work. There's no way it can't not work. There are so many oh, games and so many writers. Someone will give us a Yeah. Shell quickly looks for more portal surfaces. She doesn't know where she's going, but notices arrows written on the wall. She has to escape. She has to move forward. She follows them. Another surface, another portal. She runs up the rusted stairway through the closed door and continues to climb. Okay, the test is now over. You win! Go back to the recovery annex for your cake. She doesn't stop. She doesn't listen. Portal after portal, Shell makes her way upward, following those strange arrows to the bowels of the testing facility. She needs to keep moving. Uh-oh. Somebody cut the cake. I told them to wait for you, but they cut it anyway. There are still some left. If you hurry back... <laughs> this writing is so good because it's like trying to uh, like appeal to your human mentality that you might miss out, right? FOMO. Right. It, you're... you're 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 gonna miss out you gotta stop you know if you want this you have to follow the, the directions um but i think we're kind of seeing here too that chell's not stupid right. and from a narrative perspective right not talking about game mechanics or whatever from a narrative perspective chell understands this ai is not telling the truth this ai cannot be trusted we, we we can't stop um very cool yeah and i think it also goes back to the the cake thing you mentioned where that is this AI's prime way to convince humans is that is cake. We know humans mm. love cake. If we just keep offering them cake, of course they eventually will take it. It goes back to that idea you talked about in the influences in a really interesting way. That I, yeah, I didn't even yeah. notice. I, I didn't put those together um, until you mentioned that, which is really cool. It's kind of like the funny coincidences we, like, in, just in life in general. Someone will, will say something funny that ends up being this huge thing for yeah. something. You know, like, uh, just, it's so cool. If that person never had said cake in the, on the development team, never suggested that cake was a, a good means to an end or a good uh, motivator, um, what would it have been for this game? And would the game have been, would it have suffered more from not having cake as the promise of, of reward? It's very, it's very interesting to think about. I don't, know, I don't know if this game would have been as uh, successful or as interesting. Yeah, I certainly think all the the memes and the silly jokes that came from this propelled it into kind of the cultural zeitgeist. There, it like allowed people to connect with it in a way they wouldn't because you you don't want to miss out on all these really funny silly jokes that are taking over the internet. You want to check out this silly game or this this one hour game because you want to see what this experience is like. And then once you're in it you're part of this community and you want to keep you want to be you want to join that which is very much what the internet in the early 2000s was like <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so they they just they they did a, like their timing was just really good and they got really lucky it's a very good game and the writing is very good also i think they they're lucky to have, have caught that yeah for sure definitely lucky to, to have incorporated that into their story yeah. for sure using the portal device she moves through slamming metal plates giant pistons Shell isn't faced. She moves through them with ease and the aid of the portal device. The testing has made her faster. Didn't we have fun, though? Remember when the platform was sliding to the fire pit and I said, good guy? And you were like, no way! And I was all, we pretended we were going to murder you. That was great. It's, it's actually something interesting, too. I forgot to mention for background information. Um, so for if you notice, uh, the lines for the AI in this game she's designed to kind of go through personality shifts, which we kind of hearken to, right? Like in the very beginning, she's very robotic. Um, and now we're kind of seeing her be more uh, human, right? She's kind of going through these different personalities. She's very straightforward in the very beginning. And now we're kind of seeing her be more cunning, manipulative to try to get Chell to do what she needs to do, what she wants Chell to do. Super interesting. 
Yeah, and I think they do a really good job of kind of slowly lo- like having this shift take place over the course of the game, and we see it go more. And yeah, more. it's it's kind of subtle, and then it kind of increases more and more. Right? She tries the the AI tries to catch herself from being more impulsive with her words, or trying to be like you know trying to stick to her kind of robotic tone in the beginning of the game, and now we're seeing her be more like manipulative, more trying to appease Chell to get her to stop which is not what we were seeing in the beginning of the game, which is kind of a, it's kind of like a, a weird uh, shift to, to kind of see in the game. Cause then you're kind of, cause now this is for me, at least when I was going through this again and, and now that I'm listening to it too, I'm feeling like, Oh, this is creepy. You know, this AI has been playing dumb this whole time, pretending yeah. to be this robot. Yeah. And really it's more, co- it's really more um, condescending than we gave it credit for. Like we said before, um, which is scary, right? It, this thing has been smarter than we realized this whole time, um, which I it, it's it's kind of like a like a horror film, you know, like this this thing that we didn't think much of is actually really terrifying, and we had no idea. It's very it's very cool. It's very um, it sets the atmosphere. It kind of increases the tension of this of the story more so than than I thought it was going to be. She exits the machinery to find herself in an observation chamber. A small robotic eye stock protrudes from the floor, a blue laser sight coming out of it. It points at Shell, fires a missile that destroys the grass in front, filling the air with shards of glass. Across the chamber, another window. She can use this to help her escape. She runs across the room, the robotic eye tracking her movement. Once it fires at targets, it fires. The missile destroys another glass window. She quickly moves through the door, down a long hallway. In the distance, she sees an opening. As she makes her way through the opening, she finds herself in a massive chamber filled with screens. There's a room of some kind on the right, and in the back of the room, another vital apparatus vent. The same vent that you were forced to destroy your companion cube. In the center of the room is a staircase and a platform, and situated above it is a giant robotic figure hanging from the ceiling. The robotic figure quickly turns to look at you, its yellow eyes staring down at you, and a familiar voice comes from the robot. So really quickly before we get into this interaction with this AI character, um, this robot hanging from the ceiling, whose voice is very familiar, obviously, um, it was designed for a particular reason. So one writer of the game explained that the AI was designed based off the painting The Rise of Venus, um, and they chose to design her with a delicate mechanical body that showcased her femininity and power, um, which I thought was really interesting. And and there's a lot of fan theories, too, that this AI is actually a human woman that's kind of bound into this machine. Um, I don't think there's any real concrete evidence to support that, but it's just very interesting. You can see kind of the side-by-side pictures if you Google it. Um, and you can kind of see some fan interpretations. It's kind of creepy, uh, the idea of it. And I think there's more something we can talk about in the next game as well. Mm-hmm. But very interesting nonetheless. I think it was very cool they designed her with a intent to showcase her femininity and power as this AI robot hanging from the ceiling. Really cool. Yeah, it, it's, it's a really cool scene. And this voice that we've been hearing for as far as we know has just been a voice in a box now to see this massive imposing figure that certainly has kind of that uh, a feminine look to it in some ways this was a really great choice yeah i love i love the ai's design yeah Um, and it kills me they keep calling her the ai (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay it's it's for the story it has to be that way um but she's yeah such a cool design uh very um dare i say iconic for video games yeah because when you see when you see this robot you know exactly what it is. Most, I would say, I would argue most video game people, you know, people who love video games know what she is or know who she is. Yeah. 
Well, you found me. Congratulations. Was it worth it? Because despite your violent behavior, the only thing you've managed to break so far is my heart. Maybe you could settle for that, and we'll just call it a day. I guess we both know that isn't going to happen. You chose this path. Now I have a surprise for you. Deploying surprise in five, four. A small purple sphere falls from the eye in the center of the room. Time out for a second. That wasn't supposed to happen. Did you see that thing that fell out of me? What was that? It's not the surprise. I've never seen it before. Never mind. It's a mystery I'll solve later by myself because you'll be dead. So here we see like the stakes are raising. She's not just trying to get you to cake. She's just outright going to say, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. How, how different, again, a personality shift that we're seeing here. Uh, kind of going from uh, robotic, right? Straightforward to kind of manipulating to I don't even care anymore. I'm going to just kill you. You know, it's kind of jarring to see that progression and this AI that I mean going into it I never thought would have a progression you know a personality shift so to see this this character this AI change tonally throughout this the course of this hour of game is, is very cool it's very fast and that's what I kind of like about it it's kind of um, it's, it, again jarring I think is the perfect word for it I think you could certainly make an argument for this AI being the main character of this story this AI, you could mm. certainly spin this in a way, and I'm sure the AI would see it this way, as they are the protagonist, the hero, and Chell is the protagonist who's ruin, ruining everything, right? And I certainly yeah. I certainly think the most time has been put into thinking about the character progression of this AI than anything else, and it shows because it's, it's so well done. It kind of reminds me of the, the argument that Anakin Skywalker is the main character of the Star Wars trilogy right or yeah. the, or i guess you could say the the quad tri- or what the the six movies so the prequels <laughs> and the originals yeah um you can say that anakin skywalker is the main character right because we see his progression um yeah so it's not luke it's not obi-wan it's 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 more anakin than anything um which i think is kind of i think is, there's, a, there's a point to that there's, there's a good case for that and i see that kind of similarity with with this ai character yeah whose name i just almost said out loud so I'm glad I <laughs> it's myself. okay it's all right <laughs> Chell moves quickly. She creates a portal up to the small chamber. Inside is a button. She presses it, and it opens the vital apparatus vent to the furnace below. Without thinking, she grabs the purple ball, hits the button, and drops it in the furnace below. You're kidding me! Did you just put that aperture science thing we don't know? Sorry, there's just a lot. (laughs) (laughs) This is a good line. (laughs) You're kidding me. Did you just stuff that aperture science thing we don't know what it does into an aperture science emergency intelligence incinerator? That has got to be the dumbest thing that... Whoa! 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 (laughs) Good news. I figured out what that thing you disincinerated did. It was a morality core they installed after I flooded the enrichment center with a deadly neurotoxin to make me stop flooding the... (laughs) 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 Terrifying line, but it's really funny. Good news. I figured out what that thing you just incinerated did. It was a morality core they installed after I flooded the enrichment center with a deadly neurotoxin to make me stop flooding the enrichment center with a deadly neurotoxin. So get comfortable while I warm up the neurotoxin emitters. Huh. That core must have had some ancillary responsibilities. I can't shore up the turret defenses. Oh well. If you want my advice, you should just lie down in front of a rocket. Trust me, it'll be a lot less painful than the neurotoxin. All right, keep doing whatever you think you're doing. Killing you and giving you good advice aren't mutually exclusive. The rocket is really the way to go. So cool. I love seeing this is the last kind of change we, we see with the AI personality-wise. Um, 
and we have good reason for it, right? We, we understand that the morality core that was installed in her was just incinerated by Chell, um, leading to her to behave like this. And so this is what she was like before this, this core was installed, and she supposedly flooded Aperture Science with a neurotoxin. Um, and, and again, what's so cool about the mystery with this is that there's, there's so much more that's happened before all this, right? This AI has flooded Aperture Science with a neurotoxin, which has presumably killed everybody. So is, so is this AI solely acting on her own, right? And how is Chell involved in all of this? How does she survive hypothetically if a neurotoxin was administered through this all, all of Aperture Science? A lot of cool questions um, in a moment where uh, you could die at any, at any point based off what this, this AI is telling you. It's, it's very, there's a lot of stuff going on, but they kind of juggle it really well, I think. Yeah, I agree. And we see this just really stark shift in their character from this kind of robotic, but still slightly evil, to just this smooth, relaxed, I'm going to kill you, evil kind of personality shift that, again, just adds another layer to this incredibly interesting character that makes you want to know more, not just about what happened at this place, but what who, what is this character? Where did they come from? Why are they doing all these things that they're doing? Why did they kill everybody in this place? And it also gives you context for, as you've been moving through this space, you don't see a single other being, right? You don't see another mm -hmm. being. The, the only thing you hear is this voice. And now there's some, some context to that, um, which is, again, adds more layers to this story, is, is driving up that tension and making you know, before, maybe you were in danger, now you are certainly in danger, and you you're better off just jumping in front of a rocket than letting me neurotoxin you. Yeah, yeah. And and I noticed too, like just the, the change in the confidence level of this AI. This AI was kind of like very um you know, trying desperately to get you to stop without like necessarily she I mean she wanted you to, to die, obviously. She tried to drop Chell into a, a furnace. But like she's trying to like bargain with you, you know, and now this this confidence, this this again personality shift. She's so confident she's going to kill Chell now, right? This AI is like, I, it doesn't really matter how I do this. You can decide a rocket, you know, the neurotoxin, whatever. You know, it doesn't really matter. You're going to die no matter what. Um, very very creepy, especially considering this is the end of the game, right? So this is kind of where all the tension is ramping up, like you just said. It's just all really cool progression to this one point. It's 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 so cool. It, it feels so good in the game too, because you don't know what's gonna happen next. You don't know what's what's you know. This is all so weird and different, especially from a game uh, like like Portal. I don't think there's really a lot of games that were like it at the time, tonally and gameplay wise. It was just so unique, and it still kind of is. You know, um, just a really cool story. Chell creates a portal wall behind her, another up high. She stands in front of the rocket turret. She's done this before. Its blue beam aims at her and fires. She dodges out of the way of the rocket as it passes the portal, slamming into the AI above. Another orb falls off the machine. Another orb falls off the machine, same as before. Chell quickly hits the button, drops into the fire below. Oh, you think you're doing some damage? Two plus two is, is, is ten in base four. I'm fine. Look, you're wasting your time, and believe me, you don't have a whole lot left to waste. What's your point anyway? Survival? Well then, the last thing you want to do is hurt me. I have your brain scanned, permanently backed up in case something terrible happens to you, which is just about to. Don't believe me? Here, I'll put you on. Hello? That's you. That's how dumb you sound. You've been wrong about every single thing you've ever done, including this thing. 
You're not smart. You're not a scientist. You're not a doctor. You're not even a full-time employee. Where did your life go so wrong? This is, yeah, so so much information is kind of given to you, right, to clear out that mystery that you have in the back of your mind. So, so Cella's n- essentially no association with average science. She's not supposedly, I mean, this could be the AI just being completely rude to her, you know, saying you're not smart, you're not, but then she's not a scientist, she's not a doctor, she's not even a full-time employee at Aperture Science. So how is she there? Why is she there? You know, it, it it's such a cool little, again, it's still a mystery, but you're still kind of putting the pieces together. She wasn't never a scientist that survived this neurotoxin attack, you know, so where did she come from? Um, and another question I have too uh, is we're all, you know, this AI is saying we have backed up your your what do I say you permanently backed up your brain you scanned your brain we backed it up right have all the other test subjects been chell I, I don't know what do you think right yeah I think it, it gives this really interesting perspective where it's something that happens very rarely in games when it does it's so interesting where it makes canonically every player's experience right because every player is could be a backed up version and I I didn't add it in here. Um, because it doesn't feel like the true story. But if you just stand on that conveyor belt and drop down into the fire below, you get like a the end screen. Like it, it, it gives you a successful end state of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the first time that I played this, um, or actually the first time I watched it play it, like I said at the beginning, that person just died and um, we were all kind of half asleep at the time and went to bed. And then we later found out that you could escape and have this whole other experience in the game which it now canonizes that every player's experience could be just a backed up version all of these tests that all these players are going through it it could be just different brain scans yeah and like you said it yeah. just keeps asking it gives you an answer to one question and then asks you 10 more yeah super interesting i, I like that it's it's very very it keeps you engaged in the story i mean as, as limited as a story is it keeps you i i feel more engaged with this story and this is going to sound mean. I feel more engaged with this story than I, than I did with Borderlands when we went through it. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, which is telling. Borderlands is a significantly longer game than, than Portal, but here I am more engaged with what I'm learning and listening to from Portal than I did with Borderlands. So, And again, I don't want to sound like I'm just bashing Borderlands all the time. I really do like the series a lot. Um, but from a, a narrative perspective, just very very different than portal and is able to do it with just a single character right there is only one yeah. true character i mean there's Chell, who again is a character but is in that traditional sense a, a silent protagonist um mm-hmm. this is the only character who we engage with interactive who gives us information other than the small bits we see and that character tells a really engaging or perpetuates a really engaging story that is cha- constantly changing and making you feel and adding more tension and drama to the experience and then also making you wonder what else is going on here right yeah yeah it is is constantly giving you a reason to move forward that makes sense without being totally open with what's happening right it's mysterious enough to give you an incentive to move forward at the same time uh, you know uh narratively at least from i think from our perspectives um there's a reason why my child's kind of moving forward in this situation. Um, but again, I would love, you know, I think we would love to know other people's perspectives. So please let us know what you think. Is there a reason why child's moving forward? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chell quickly lines up another rocket, destroys another core, throws it down the chute. A loud boom comes from the ceiling. 
up the room. Ugh. I hate you. Are you trying to escape? Ha 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 ha. Things have changed since the last time you left the building. What's going on out there will make you wish you were back in here. I have an infinite capacity of knowledge, and even I'm not sure what's going on outside. All I know is I'm the only thing standing between us and them. Well, I was. As the robot starts. Ooh. Yeah, right? There's so much more Ooh. there. Yeah, there's so much more there. So there's so Shell has been on the outside, we've learned, right? Um, and But then, she, so then this AI says, all I know is that I'm the only thing standing between us and them. So who is them? Is a big question now, yeah. at least in my mind. Yeah, like, oh yeah. So, so it's almost like so from this AI's perspective, she is she is essentially keeping Chell safe, even though she's not right. She's trying to kill Chell at, at many points in this game, um, but she is essentially taking better care of Chell than than Chell essentially would be doing on the outside, dealing with whoever them is. Um, so again, more mystery. We're filling more pieces of the puzzle, but the puzzle is getting bigger and is adding more pieces, more more open space, um, which is kind of cool. Yeah, what a, what a great analogy. What a great sim- simile. What a great simile. whatever that was. That was Meta- really what, what a great metaphor. We, um, <laughs> we gotta go back to ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> we sure do. Um, and I and, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I, and again, and we see here too, which kind of leads to our our conversation back to our conversation about the personality shifts in this AI. She says, Ugh, I hate you, mm-hmm. you know, which makes me wonder, can this AI feel emotion? Is this AI, or is the AI just saying it? But like, why else would she say that? And it, from, a, from a robotic kind of perspective, would a robot need to say that they hate something that they don't understand, if they don't really hate it, you know, is that logical? Um, but for this AI to say, Ugh, Ugh, I hate you, right? I think this AI is, is much more human than we're giving it credit for. Yeah, and I think this AI doesn't need to say anything. They could just turn the neurotoxin on and kill you. But it's continuing mm-hmm. to mock you and taunt you and speak to you all throughout this experience and, like, laughing at something. Think something is funny, yeah. the fact that you're trying to escape, right? This, Like you said, it's it's this AI feels so human. It's, it's very cool. I Again, how cool is this writing in terms of conveying things to the player subtly yeah. without giving too much, without beating you over the head with it. Yeah. Um, it's just so, and, and, and I think what we liked about Bioshock also um, is that they didn't have to explain every single thing to you in this game. You, they kind of, I think I, from my perspective, they assume that you are smart enough to put these pieces together um, if you so desire to pay enough attention to it. Which I like. I like that a lot because that that's what makes people. That's what makes people so interested in the story. Is that when people notice there's way more going on here, that makes them more engaged. That makes them more interested, and, and they get more out of. They get more enjoyment out of this. At least that's how I kind of see it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I also think going back to what we talked about at the beginning, with this being released in the orange box and this being released with Half Life. If these are in the same universe, we have an idea of what's going on in the world, right? Because you're right. we've played, right. you know what I mean? So it's asking these questions, but now you're wondering, we may have an idea, but we, we don't have all the we don't have all the information. And um, we don't know where this place is placed in that world. We don't know where this is taking place or when this is taking place, because as right. Half-Life has this really long timeline of what's of things that are going on between the first game and the other games there's 
we don't know how much time there is, but there's a lot of time between that. Where does this experience fall in that? Um, and what would and how is how is she going to protect us? Right? There's there's just again, even with that information, you have more questions. Exactly, which is so cool. So as a player, if you played Half Life, you understand the context kind of of what this AI is telling you. But from Chell's perspective, if we put ourselves in Chell's shoes. Um, we don't understand that, right? That's still a very confusing statement to kind of process and, and, to, and to kind of break down. So, uh, which, which is very cool. It's a very cool way to kind of take in that situation from Shell's perspective. How unsettling that would probably feel in that situation, looking up at this, this robot hanging from the ceiling, trying to kill you, and, but then trying to assure you that you're in a much better position than you would be on the outside. Very cool. Yeah, I keep saying very cool. <laughs> it just, it's again, it keeps raising those stakes. It keeps adding more tension. Even as you're moving forward, that tension keeps building. It keeps adding more layers to it. Yes. Yeah. As the robot finishes speaking, a loud whirring sound can be heard from the ceiling. It spins faster and faster. The ceiling above starts to glow red, then green. The robot's speech begins to distort as electricity shoots across the room. Pieces of debris begin to spin and lift in the air. The ceiling vanishes in a white light as everything, including Shell, is lifted into the air. She moves higher and higher until the heat and energy causes her to pass out. Shell wakes up on the ground. Through blue vision, she sees the fence and trees. A large piece of machinery with the words Gladys lay in front of her. Smoking debris falls from the sky as her vision returns. Before she's able to get to her feet, she hears a whirring sound. It's getting louder and louder. Then a new voice says, Thank you for assuming the party escort submission position. Unable to move, she's dragged back inside, and her vision fades. The end. Ooh, I love that they put the callback to the... <laughs> Thank you for assuming the party escort submission position. Yeah. So good. I love that because, you know, GLaDOS uh, mentioned that earlier in the story. Like, please presume this position. We'll come get you so you can have the cake. Yeah. Um, so good. And then, of course, at the end, we get the, the beautiful song... Yes, oh, of course. Uh, Please go listen to yeah. the song. It's incredible. Still alive. It is so good. Yeah, we won't. I'm not going to do it. I don't think Ryan wants to do it. We can't do it justice. But it, it's such a great song. It's so good. Um, and where we see the the promised cake, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, yeah. So, so Ryan, what do you think about the ending of the game? Uh, I think the ending. I, I like the ending, and one of the things I wished I would have added here is that, um, and maybe maybe I did. I just said it so fast, but you see like a compound. You see outside, which like gives you this. I've escaped. I've done it, and then you're dragged back in in this really interesting way. Um, that feels. I mean, in some ways, it feels unsatisfying because you finally escaped, but then you're pulled back in. But I think it also feels fitting with the story, and it's done in a way that it feels mm-hmm. really fun and humorous and that they have that thank you for assuming the party escort submission position um because it it, (laughs) even though you've escaped even though you've got out aperture the enrichment center still has you and pulls you back in um even though you've defeated this ai there's more going on here the ai wasn't controlling everything there's there's other things happening which again Mm -hmm. it, it answers some questions right but it by giving you this AI's name, Gladys, and it's never said, but that's the only time you see the text. At the same time, you're pulled back in still. Even though you've defeated the great villain, the great antagonist of this experience, you don't escape Aperture. You don't escape the Enrichment Center. So I yeah. overall, I really liked it. 
Um, I think for this nice short little experience, it, it, it is like a really good ending that leaves me wanting a lot more. What about you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel very similar. I think that for, as like the end boss, I think it was, it was handled really well. I know they, I think I read that they had a lot of different ideas for how the, the final boss would go, how they would break it down with Gladys and, and um, how they would fight her. Um, I guess there's like James James Bond lasers and mm-hmm. different ways that missiles would come out and attack you and um, but I like that we see the the personality cores you kind of see the personalities in the cores yeah you know, as she's yeah. as Chell's destroying them and um, and then how it kind of all ends at the end and I think it's really funny they harken back to the the party escort submission position um, I actually feel that the ending is it, it gives you the same feeling though not in any way shape or form similar um but the way i feel at the end of this is the way i kind of feel at the end of the last of us actually mm-hmm. where um again listen to our episode or play the game first first and foremost play the last of us first before you um listen to this uh but yeah if, if not just skip this part but it, i get that same feeling where you know when joel asks or when ellie asks joel if he's telling the truth and to swear to her and he does and the game just ends i kind of feel like oh i wanted i wanted more there's 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 obviously more here that we need to you know we can do so much more here why are we ending here um and i kind of feel that same way with portal one we get out like you said right but we're dragged back in so what does that mean you know what there means there has to be i would i mean i guess it doesn't mean there has to be more but i would really hope that there is you know it feels like a bad joke that shell is able to do all this she is she is smart enough to, to beat the AI. She's, she's smart enough to, to beat GLaDOS, and, and she gets out, but she's dragged back in, which makes me feel like there's more, you know? And so luckily there is. Yeah. It took many years, um, but there is, which makes me happy. But at the time I was like, there's more, right? <laughs> like, there has to be more, right? Um, so yeah, overall, great, great story. The ending one left me wanting more. Luckily we do get more, so I'm very happy. It's, it's a good experience overall. By the end, you're, you're, you're in a good place. And there is a bit of time. There's four years between um, Portal 1 and Portal 2, so there certainly is four years of waiting. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good kind of end note. And, again, it, it trusts us as players enough not to give us all the answers to the questions. It trusts us enough to just leave things out and let us just sit with them and, like, talk about them for years and years and years and years after this came out. <laughs> Hashtag Half-Life 3. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. A game that I, I don't think will probably ever come out. Um, no, probably not. Um, I mean, well, I mean, I, I, we say that, but then again, Half-Life Code Alex, or was it Half-Life Code Alex? Half-Life or Code just Alex, Half-Life Alex? Think, yeah. Um, it, it did fantastic. Yeah, it's You know, true. they came back to the story. And, and so what does that mean? You never know. Yeah, yeah. But I think this game feels just like a nice little, little, I, 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 I say little and I say small, but only because it's a short game, but I think it's the perfect length for this game. I don't think it needed any more, right. um, personally. Right. Um, it's yeah, and and like like we've talked about it, it twisted into so many fan theories, so so many because it left all these unanswered questions. It wanted us. It everybody else wanted more, and that's why they kind of took this apart to try and learn more. Um, yeah. And the puzzles themselves are really engageable and fun. But yeah, the story it's it's a good story. I enjoy it. Um, it's it's short and digestible and easy to, to tackle right, right which i think is a great great for after such a big heavy experience like the last of us yeah definitely definitely um and i think we'll go deeper we'll dive deeper into fan theories 
uh, for Portal 2. I found so many theories about Portal 2 because there's much more yeah. story there. Yeah. Um, I didn't... It was kind of hard to to differentiate which theory was for which game, and I was a little scared to possibly give something away too soon. So I think we'll deep dive much harder into fan theories and background information um, in the next game. But for now, I think this is kind of a nice little taste of what's to come. Yeah, and I think this yeah. game set up as a, a a taste is, I think, a really great way to, to... I think both when it was when it came out, it was that, and then I think for us, it's that too. It's just, it's a good right. little thing. And again, um, we want to encourage you to go, go play and have this experience. It only takes about an hour or more, a little bit more maybe, to mm-hmm. get through. Um, the puzzles are really engaging and fun. And I left a lot of lines out of here that are incredibly delivered and add so much um, that I think are worth hearing and worth checking out. Um, and if yeah. if you have if this game is near and dear to your heart and you feel like there's something I left out or there's more you want to hear, please let us know. We want to have that conversation about it. We want to have this this all of these experiences to be an open conversation where we talk about what we notice, what we feel, what we appreciate, what we like, what we don't like. Yes, definitely. And and uh, yeah, <laughs> you said it perfectly. And remember, our uh, email is tales in the cartridge. Uh, all the e's are threes. I'm sorry, tales in the cartridge at gmail.com. All the e's are the e's are three. La, la, la. All the e's are threes, and you can also see us on Twitter and Instagram. Don't be afraid to message us. Let us know. We'd love to read your perspectives. Whether you agree with us, disagree with us, love the story, hate the story, didn't care about the story, um, we want to know. We want to read those. Um, so yeah, uh, Ryan, do you have any closing thoughts on the game? Uh, and I don't think so. I mean, I just I want to go play. I want to go play more Portal. I want to go play Portal 2 now. <laughs> I think I actually will. I'm actually very, I'm very motivated to go back. And I would say this too, don't skip Portal 1 and go straight to Portal 2. Um, I think you'd be doing a huge disservice. I just, I would really encourage you to uh, play Portal 1, then jump into Portal 2. I think you get an hour of Portal 1 is, I think, necessary. Yeah. I would, I would say is very necessary for the story, for the tone. Because um, Portal Two, man, it is fantastic. Yeah, it opens Not to right go too far into it, but man, I haven't played that game in years, but I have such fond memories of it. Yeah, it's a really good time, and it's it's again, it's a really good story. Everything that we see in this experience is just kind of turned up and improved in next in that next experience. Um, but I think Eric, did you want to talk about what we're gonna play next week? Yes, I would. So I think we failed the story goers a little bit this this podcast is called tales from the cartridge and yet we have not covered any cartridge based games um our assumption you know we we want to make sure that that these stories were engaging especially our first five episodes you know we want to make sure that people are wanting to come and listen to really deep stories um so that's why we picked our our first five episodes as such um but now for the sixth episode we need to deep dive into a cartridge based game and the game that we decided on was Banjo-Kazooie. Um, I have such fond memories of Banjo-Kazooie uh, and the fact that I was just too young to ever beat it. <laughs> I was kind of a dumb, dumb young kid that didn't understand what to do. I would like, kind of like skip through the dialogue and, and just didn't pay attention. Um, so now being a 29-year-old uh, stupid kid, I think I'm much more equipped to hopefully beat this game again. Or to beat this game, not even again. Um, and you know, and I know that we also said in the beginning of this whole thing that we try to pick games that are, are easily accessible. And and while some storygoers may say, Eric, we can't buy Banjo Kazooie, I'm sure that you intelligent storygoers can figure out 
some way to play Banjo-Kazooie again if you so wanted to. I don't know. You could go to Google. You could type in N64 emulator. You could download said emulator, then download Banjo-Kazooie if you so wanted to. I'm not saying you should. I'm definitely not saying I'm Super not saying so that's what I'm doing. I mean, <laughs> you are who you are. You do what you got to do. Um, you could say Nintendo is being, you know, bad by not re-releasing their games on the Switch. I would agree with you, uh, as I really want to play Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask again, and I can't. So, or maybe I can, <laughs> but I'll never, I'll never tell. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, Banjo Kazooie is the game for next week. Uh, play it up. Watch a watch a playthrough. Play it yourself. Um, and next week we will come back and talk about it. I think Banjo-Kazooie is such a special game. Um, and I know some people just really did not get into it, which I think is a, is fine. It's totally okay. But I would say also give it a chance again. If you haven't played it in many, many years like me, just playing the first five minutes again was kind of special. It's a, it's very 1990s and 64 um, silliness that I, I really miss. So it's going to be, I think, a, a good a good episode to listen to. Yeah, I, I cannot wait. I've I never played Banjo Kazooie, so I'm really excited to, to have that experience and be a first time player and explorer and then hear that story. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah. I really do. So um but yeah, so storygoers, thanks again for listening to our podcast. The first five episodes are out. Um hopefully you have written in at some point uh with some of your perspectives <laughs> if not it's really awkward to keep asking <laughs> but eventually someone will i think and we'll put that in the podcast yeah. don't be afraid if you uh you think you missed out on getting your perspective on an episode please still do we will happily go back at some point and read perspectives at a later date going back to some episodes and and kind of trying to catch up that way so it's never too late to give your perspective we would always appreciate it if you do um and we hope that you're doing well staying safe and healthy um, and you're happy. So, wow, it's kind of got deep. I didn't mean for it to. It's okay, you're just <laughs> oh, and, good tidings. Yeah, and 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 uh, above all else, above all else, this is the, probably the most important part too. Um, please do not hesitate to tell Game Newell that we should be voices. Yeah, that's world. really important. So, that if if you please. if you leave this experience with anything, please tweet at Gabe Newell, <laughs> email Gabe Newell, uh, whatever you need to do to get our names to his. Not not in a way that we get in trouble, but in a way that he. I mean, yeah. I, I will also say that no publicity is bad publicity. So even if he, like, knows right. our names and curses it, he's still got our names, and that could be something. It's not the first time I've been cursed. <laughs> right. <laughs> not the, unfortunately, not the first time. Um, but no. So those three people that tweet Game Duel, we appreciate you, <laughs> you. and your support. <laughs> Thanks to all three of you. You're the best. We appreciate it. Uh, But until next time, we will see you in the next episode. Goodbye.